This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. Hello, podcast fans. Adam Carolla here. I'm leading the fight against patent trolls who are threatening this medium. It's not about me. It's about the podcast you're listening to right now. If I go down, this show could be next. Visit FundAnything.com forward slash patent troll for more information on how you can keep podcasting alive. Thank you and mahalo. Because Alyssa wanted me to go to uh, So You Think You Can Dance, a taping of So You Think You Can Dance tomorrow. Oh, really? Yeah, she wanted me to go. But it turns out you got to wake up at 7.30 in the morning. No, you have to be at the Grove at 7.30 in the morning at CBS Television City. And then you have to watch this bullshit group dance thing, which she says sucks. And then by 9 o'clock, you're out of there. And then you have to be there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon because otherwise they won't give you tickets and you have to have your entire party did you, there. Did you explain to your girlfriend, and this is going to sound redundant, but mm. did you explain to your girlfriend that you're straight? I am straight. I do not like dancing because I am a man who needs immense amounts of alcohol to be even near a dance floor. Yeah, even then I still won't. Yeah, n- even then I'd still rather claw my arm off with a rusty hook. And on that intro, welcome to the Hooniverse Podcast, episode number 68. This is Blake Turbo Z Ron with Chris, I don't know your middle name, Hayes. It's Philip. Christopher Philip Hayes. You sound like a poet from 15th century England. Um, that's <coughs> because my entire family hails from not far from there. Not, so. from, not far from Christopher Marlowe's house? Uh, I don't know about that, but uh, it is on a dinky island that was almost wiped out by a potato family. Well, Jeff Glucker is so. there right now, probably eating potatoes. Oh, no, he's in Scotland. That's a different thing. Eh, that's British Isles. Well, yeah. yeah. It's all the size uh, of Don't ever call Ireland the British Isles. That's, that's they, they will kick the shit out of you. Exactly. Um, um, we were talking about So You Think You Can Dance, and we are not going to that taping. Thankfully, no. We no you, you, you don't need to do that. No. I mean, if that's people's things, go for it. Have it. I saw a taping of the Price Is Right once. That's a very LA thing to do. This, so, and for people that haven't been to like a TV taping, it is mind-numbingly boring. They they expect the audience to turn on the charm and enthusiasm like a light switch, even though you've spent literally eight hours waiting. It was like, uh, let me think. When when have the, you seen a taping? What's that? You, have you been to a taping? Oh, I've been to tapings. Yeah, uh, first one, actually, the first one, no, not the, the second one I went to though was the car show. So, oh, of course, all the guys I know from TST, you know, everybody was working on the car show. Right. Uh, it was actually where we met like a really good friend of ours, Nino. Uh, and Is this the first time you met Nino? Yeah, Nino. Nino. We met Nino through the car show. I did not know that. Um, I just yeah, that was, was like, yeah, there. that was your Carson moment. I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah. Um. So went to that, and even though I know everybody there, and you know I'm chilling out with with Matt's girlfriend at the time, and right. we're just you know shooting the shit in the audience, and it's just like it's mind-numbingly boring, even though we know everybody there. Right. Like, yeah. And then it's the same thing over and over, and your hands, and sitting in a studio audience, especially a small studio audience, your hands will start to ache from all the clapping they make you do. Oh, jeez, yeah. yeah. yeah well, the thing is you do so many takes and they got to cut it all together right. that it's like every two minutes you're taking a break where they want you to clap as loud as they can, especially if you're in a small audience. Yeah. The Price is Right, though. They've been doing that show for, what, 60 years now, and they have everything down to a science. Like everything just happens boom, 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 live, just like you see on TV, 22 yeah. minutes. The camera shots, you know, the, the booms all move exactly the way you want them to. Everyone applauds on cue. All the Drew Carey, like, sometimes makes fun of the sponsors in between, like, in between commercial breaks. It's all very, very impressive. I could see, you know, I could see that working because with like prices, right? Even though they probably have a warm-up guy, um, yeah. You know, and for people who don't know, they put like when when you go to a taping for a comedy for any sort of comedy thing, they have what's called a warm-up guy, right. which is where they get a local comic to come out and right. do ten to twenty minutes of material before they get the yeah. show going. And you know, I could see where prices right could be good because 
Drew Carey's great at riffing. Yeah. You know, so you could throw him in front of an audience and you're still going to have a good time. I think he was the, the warm up guy. Was he, he doing just, his own warm up? He was just doing his own stuff, yeah. That's, well, that's, by doing his own stuff, he just kind of, you know, riffs on the crowd and does crowd work, and he's really good at that. So. Uh, you know what, though? I can appreciate that. And that to me would almost that would almost be an enjoyable taping to go to. But, yeah. I mean, they knock out few of those a day, don't they? Yeah, at least two a day, maybe three. Okay. Yeah, so. But. So, anyway, let's talk about cars. Yeah, Hollywood cars. crap aside. I hate cars. Um. So, uh... I'm driving a very Hollywood car, if you will. Hollywood via Ja Rule's career circa 2003. It's either a very Hollywood car or a very Atlanta car. Atlantic? Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Uh, Although, Atlanta, I think that was the Lincoln Navigator in 98. That car, when that came out, man. Uh, Lincoln Navigator, damn. awful. That every like, every yeah. Lincoln product made now should just be burned on the spot. That was like the blueprint of the cars, basically. Um, Jay-Z's the blueprint, I should say. I don't know rap too much. So, you know. But yeah, the Cadillac Escalade. I'm driving a Cadillac Escalade today. And I gotta say, that's a good-looking car, it's man. It's good-looking. It is ridiculous. It is just, you you will feel like an asshole driving it. And I drive like a dick no matter what car I'm in. And in that car, I have to be especially careful because I just feel like I hate myself. Because <laughs> I try to be a nice guy, Chris. I try to be a nice guy. But in that Escalade, fuck that. Well, you become a target for people to just get irate with you. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I I feel like I don't like big cars because, you know, just I drove that thing by myself like an asshole, 13 miles to the gallon. It looks like a cartoon character. Everything about that thing just looks like Grand Theft Auto is trying to mock large SUVs by modeling it in Grand Theft Auto V. Yeah. Because although... it's in Grand Theft Auto V. Well, not really. I mean, Ish. Grand Theft Auto doesn't have any real cars, yeah, yeah, but yeah, true. yeah, it's yeah. But it there. it does look great. There are lots of great details about it, design wise. It's a, I mean, it's a much better looking car than the last version of it. The interior is very subdued, but still very Cadillac. And Q sucks still, but it doesn't suck as much. I I, I maintain. I think the problem with most of the infotainment systems that are slow. I mean, they just need to throw some better hardware at it. Yeah. You know, if you just had a faster processor, you had a little more RAM, it would make all the difference in the world. Yeah, Why they're penny-pinching on things like that that cost almost nothing to upgrade, I, know, I don't know. Subaru, I drove the new Legacy, and their last infotainment system sucked ass. This new one is wonderful. You can do the actual pinching thing, and it's actually fast, too. Oh, well, you can do fast rotate and pinch and everything, and it's it's just like you know an iPhone. It's so great. On, on the Escalade front... How do you feel the interior is stacking up to other things in its price range now? I mean, what is the price on that? What is the maroon? 80 the grand, 79 grand. All right, so that's, that's Range Rover. There's though the Range Rover feels more civilized. This thing still feels like you could take it off road, and it's basically just a giant Tahoe and everything. Well, so it's rough, but it's quiet. So the it, Range Rover you can take off road too, but that's true. But you feel like you don't have to. This one yeah. feels like a truck. This, this feels, feels like a truck first. It feels more truckish second. than a Silverado I drove. And that's the thing is because you drive a Silverado and you expect it to be all truckish. And then it blows you away with how refined it is. This thing, it's the exact opposite. Which you is think, hilarious because it's the same platform. It's the same thing. It's all about your expectations. And the Escalade, man, that, that really is Ja Rule v- circa 2003, man, when everyone was still – hopefully this one will still make its way into rap videos. I'm wondering if they don't kind of design in some of that truckish feel still. Because if you wanted to go full-on luxury SUV – Yukon Denali? You, you would – well, Yukon Denali, same <clears throat> thing, but a higher end of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, same, very much the same vehicle. But, I mean, if you want to go full-on luxury SUV – you're gonna go to your Jag, you're, or you're gonna go to your um, Land Rover, Land Rover, Rover Rangers, Range yeah. Rover Sports. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna do that, automobile. or you're gonna go over to an ML, or you're gonna do, you know, dare I say, even like an RX. RX, yeah, no, no, those are all those are all like luxury first SUVs, which right. is great. Which I wonder is, did they kind of engineer some of that truck feel back into the Cadillac because. You're kind of when you buy that, you're either buying it because you you need to haul around a bunch of people. Yeah, this has three rows of seats. Or you kind of want that luxury with the truckishness still. I don't think they engineered it in there. I just don't think they engineered it to the standard of a Range Rover when it comes to feeling not truckish. But the the interior and all the toys and everything are up to Range Rover standards. You really, they, I really feel like do the interior, think the interior is, up is up there. Definitely, that's, definitely. That's pretty commendable. I mean, it's been it took am- them three generations. It's been amazing know. to see the leaps that GM has made in interiors in the last five years. Yeah, I mean, they went from 
crap. Ford and, Ford and GM both were just miserable interiors, and Chrysler still is in a lot of their stuff. I mean, yeah. the Jeeps and stuff are nice now, but it's it's amazing how far the American manufacturers have come in five years. Yeah, I mean, definitely Just five since, years. you know, since the economy crashed and everybody had to redo everything, and don't let anybody ever tell you that Ford never took subsidies, they didn't take government subsidies, and they got their bailouts a year earlier. Right. It was a whole it's it's all a brilliant marketing ploy on their part, but they got bailed out too. Right. Um but that's all in the past and I think if anything happened from the bailouts is yeah, all, they the, all got their shit together. They, yeah, they did. It was and a not full just reboot. in the Corvette. Right. It was a full reboot of right. everything. I mean, right. look how good the new CTS is. That yeah. car is stupid good. I mean, it is it has no right to be as good as it is. Well, even stuff now. like the Chevy Sonic is great. The Sonic is great. The Fiesta, the Sonic. I mean, the, look at. I mean, look at how competent the the Mustang and the Camaro now are as legitimate sports cars. They're not really mm. pony cars anymore. The higher end of those cars are fast cars. Your Boss, your Z28, your ZL1. Those are not like. They don't handle turn like you'd think a muscle car. Those would. are great, but I'm still let down by the uh, Camaro V6. How so? Well, I still think the interior on the Camaro, I think, is a pre-recession interior. They haven't really mucked around with it since the redesign this oh, year. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's still kind of shitty. It, not 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 in the sense that the materials are crap because they kind of are, but that's not. The oh, I, I, it's well, the layout and the design and how things come together. When you said the V6 specifically, I was like, is there something with the driving? The V6 you don't specifically, like? I just didn't like driving it, and it kind of felt like a truck. Like a like a compact truck, like driving a Chevy Colorado or something. Which is funny because in that whole class, that is actually probably the best V6 out there. Now. Right. Um, interesting. I mean, I drove an SS with a manual later, and that was a lot of fun. I think that is my favorite muscle car out of the three, despite its shortcomings, which is you know obviously the interior. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the it, visibility. Now, I mean, the Z, the one LE, the ZL1, and the Z28. I mean, that's a pretty stiff lineup. Um, which leads us to the new Mustangs, which would be interesting. The specs came out for it recently. Yeah, yeah, 435 horsepower, which I'm surprised. I thought Ford was going to aim higher than that, but they're just matching the current-gen Camaro. Right, that's true, because the current-gen is 425, I believe, right? Uh, it's Okay, so that same motor it? in VET spec is 436 horsepower. Um, so whether it's really 425 or really 430 or whatever... Right. Who who cares when you're talking north of 400? We're talking, you know, a percentage point difference. Right. Uh, you're never going to feel that. And now the Mustang is getting very close in weight to the Camaro too. So it's a very close comparison. Um, well, the Camaro was always heavier than the Mustang. Wasn't it, it was, but now with this new generation of Mustang, it's put on like another hundred pounds in V8 form. And there is it a hundred? Because they said it was thirty or thirty-five in V6. I, I'm it's it's about a hundred pounds when it, when you get everything sorted in with the V8. It's about a hundred pound difference. We'll probably get a letter about this or a tweet. What's that? We'll probably get a tweet about this. I don't at care. Least. I they know, can just... tweet at us all they want. Hey, you know? don't don't piss off Honda S2000 fanboys. I have made that mistake. Oh well, you know we you know you you the, dare say the you dare say the club racer was made in silver. You will get many angry s two k dot com slash forum posts about it. Yeah, good for them. Um, yeah, good for them. They're, they're on the internet them. instead of driving their great wonderful cars. Yeah, you know because those are great cars let down by terrible people. You and I both have a lot of knowledge about a lot of cars, but it is not always going to be one hundred percent spot on perfect because. We don't focus all our energy on one car. Yeah. You know, we have a even, kind of wide swath. Even me, swath. Mr. Miyagi with the Miata. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it, me. I know LS-based stuff pretty well. Stuff with LS motors in it, I know pretty well. Do I know right. every facet? Fuck no. No. Um, but anyway, uh, right. so Escalade, so you feel like it's worth it for about 80 grand? Well, personally, I don't think any person needs something this big. Okay. But that's just me being like an eco-liberal hippie, whatever. But I think yeah. if you're going to buy something like that, let's see, it's Escalade, Range Rover, what else? ML, right? ML. Porsche Cayenne. Cayenne, yeah, you'd have to throw the Cayenne. The Escalade the is not sporty, first of all. No. It'll, it'll, go, it'll go zero to 60 in an entertaining manner, whatever manner Well, yeah, that I mean, be. because it's got a big motor in it. But the Cayenne is if I haven't driven a Cayenne, but I drove the Macan, and if it's anything like the Macan, it's freakishly competent. 
Oh yeah, the Cayenne is is it's strangely good for the size of the vehicle that it is. Right, right. Um, but I mean, the, but the 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 Caddy makes no apologies for being yeah. a truck. Yeah. The, the caddy, I can see the sort of person that will buy a caddy is the foreman of a construction site where he's just got to roll in and he's still got to pretend he's macho, but he's still got to you know, impress people. the guy that is buying an SUV for his wife in Texas, right. they live in Dallas, and he won't buy a Lexus or a Range Rover because they're for commies. Yeah, and he's got a boat about the size of a European city. Yes. And he's got to tow that thing he to Dallas. He is... He is a hundred thousand dollar millionaire. Yeah, um, exactly. It's the yeah. Um, I know those guys because I lived around those guys when I was in South Florida, and they're, they're kind of dicks, aren't they? Yeah, usually. Yeah. Um, but whatever. I mean, but otherwise, I mean, or you know, you live somewhere shitty and you'd like a nice car. I think I think the Escalade. I like the Escalade, and I don't like the Escalade. But I think it's a car that is great for people who have embraced their assholeness. Assholeness. Yes. The, the, You're one, Chris. I, I am an asshole. You are an asshole. Uh, I am an asshole and unabashed about that. Um, <laughs> You've come to terms with your own assholeness. I, I have. Whoa. That's a pause for locked up brakes. You know, I saw two car accidents last week. And there Whoa, would angry to, swearing. There would appear to be an altercation outside of my house right now. Um, oh, I, I, brought I to you live. Via it would have been like news. that that Dane Cook bit circa 2007, where it's like I heard a Go, noise. Fuck shoes. Fuck shoes. Yeah, I heard a noise, so I came outside. Yeah. Um, um, I, I saw two car accidents last week. One, I was walking to a bar at night near my house, and this this Duna Civic rear-ends this CRV just full on. Er, boom. Just like that. And it pulls away, and the hood is, like, basically at the guy's knees, and there's smoke coming out of the car, and he pulls over, and he's kind of fine. He, like, staggers out of the car, and my buddy and I are like, hey, you okay? And then, like, we walk past the CRV, and there's, like, just – this woman is just crying about something. I guess she must have been just a shocked passerby, but we we, we were just like, I kind of don't want to stick around for this. Uh, no, that sounds – There were a few other people around, and we were just like, man, that's that was gnarly. Yeah. It seemed like everything was okay. They were both going at the same speed. It just sounded gnarly. And then I saw this uh, Mercedes ML, like T-Bona Vol- no, T-Bona Volvo S80 at Olympic and Sawtell. And the Whoa. Volvo just kind of sat in the middle of the intersection yeah. at 4 o'clock on Olympic, which is just which apocalyptic. Which is a major intersection here in Los Angeles. Yeah, exactly. It's It's so bad that the other day I was driving home. From Malibu, and um, it was around six o'clock, and I took a side street to avoid just lock up on Olympic, and it was so bad on the side street that I pulled over around five blocks from my house, parked the car, and walked home. And then at nine o'clock, I went to go retrieve the car. Yeah, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Uh, that's why mostly now when I drive anywhere, if it's feasible, scooter. I drive my scooter Motorcycle. because I can drive there for a dollar and I can park wherever I want. Exactly. And it was a $2,000 scooter, so even if it gets stolen, I'm not going to care that long. Yeah, well, I got I got insurance so. coverage for my for uh, theft, which is probably the first time I've ever done that. So, Oh, really? First time you had comprehensive with... Uh, yeah, but not collision, because if I had a collision, it would have been 500 bucks a year. Okay. I think now I'm paying 200 So your bike is all straightened out. Yeah, yeah, I've been riding it around. It's actually due for a 600-mile service. Okay, so you've been putting some miles on it. Six hundred. I have six hundred twenty-five miles on it right now. I uh, I've put like almost thirteen hundred miles on my scooter since I bought. How it. How many miles? Thirteen hundred. Jesus, Where are you I've been using to? it for everywhere. Really? Every time I go to run errands, every time I, I've been running around town all day for business meetings and stuff. Wow. So yeah, that's in, impressive. In two months, I've put thirteen hundred miles on it. Are you going to, like, Hollywood, Beverly Hills or something? Uh, I'm making a lot of trips up to the marina area and meeting a lot of people up you're there. You're just doing marina and you're Back doing Back and 1300? forth. Yeah. All the time, man. Jeez. I mean, I don't ride my bike for, like, a week at a time. But then I go and put, like, 120 miles on it in a day, so. Yeah. I, I can easily tack. But the thing is that I can easily do 50, 60 miles a day, and I drive it almost every day. Right. So it adds up quickly. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so... Um, we were talking about the infotainment system in, in the Subaru, so right. which, so this was in the Legacy. Yeah, the Legacy's nice. And so what's the deal with the pin? So what is it, pinch and zoom on the map? and It's pinch and zoom on the map. You can pinch in to zoom out, which you can do on Q, too, but you pinch it, and then, like, literally four seconds later, it actually zooms out. 
and you can't really yeah. tell how much you want to zoom. It's basically like using a computer from 1996. Okay, I can yeah. see that. It's like it's like using Internet Explorer 3.8 or something like that, and you have like yeah. 50 windows open. Yeah, uh, and you're trying to load Macromedia Shockwave. Nobody should use Internet Explorer for anything. Well, this is 1996. Yeah, uh, even back then you shouldn't have. It's a mosaic. <laughs> that's actually that predates that a long time, but uh, yeah, that's true. I think, I think they actually did Netscape Navigator. I was using Netscape. Yeah, there were there were a few options kicking around back then. Um, you know, that's that's my industry. That's where I started out in. So it's yeah, you know. Uh, but intricacies of web browser history aside, um, so in recently, um, you know, that's the news has come out about. Andro- about the Android Play. Good in- segue. Yay. Nice. It's like I've done a few of these podcasts or oh, something. Oh, man. Chris, you are a podcasting professional. I, I, I literally am. It's Blake and Chris and a boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Android came out with their new Play as far as automotive stuff, and it's called Android Auto. Great. And it factors into their kind of reboot of a large portion of the Android ecosystem to where the big one of the biggest problems with Android is that every manufacturer had their own way of doing it. And they all sucked at it for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, so they all changed the UI. Well, on basically all the new Android stuff that's coming out, Google has said, no, you can't do that anymore. Okay. Which is going to imbue a great deal of consistency amongst this new car stuff. So it's pretty cool. They've got, you know, all the usual Android accoutrement of, you know, maps and and being able to ask Things, for stuff with your voice and stuff. And, and stuff like that. What's Android's version of Siri? What's it called? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, oh, what the hell the name? And of course now I'm, I'm blanking on it. Um, but, uh, oh, Google now. Um, that seems uninspiring. Eh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, it it works really well. It works very well. I never use Siri. I think I used it once uh, when I I was in Austin. All the time. Really? All the time. Number one feature for me on Siri is when I'm really tired and I'm stumbling into bed. It is Siri set alarm 9 a.m. and then it just does it every single time. It's uh, there are a lot of things it doesn't understand me, but that does perfectly every single time. I'm gonna I, pull a Jeff and go, huh? Yeah. Uh, use it for texting when I'm on the road too, because I don't actually like texting. I don't like texting. Um, but yeah, so Andrew's got their play now, and then that's gonna be tying it, you know, and then Apple has CarPlay, and they're both accomplishing basically the same thing of. Ways to get your media up on your dashboard without you having to fidget with your phone. Is it like a Bluetooth system? Um, no, you actually plug it in. You plug it in. Okay. Um, but the cool thing is, is that the way that Apple and Android have both done this, these are just aftermarket. Th- these are just things that you can plug into basically any software stack. Right. So having one does not preclude the other from existing on the same platform. So I think we're going to see a lot of overlap. Um, where you're going to see CarPlay and Android Auto supported on on basically every manufacturer car starting in the fall. Yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty cool right. because now we're finally going to get out of this hell where we have shitty nav systems and we have shitty infotainment stacks, and now it's all just going to defer to the phone. So it's going to be what I've been begging for for the last five years. It really is, you know, it's it's a thing that's been due its time, but it's also going to be you use the screen and then it runs the hardware from the phone. Right. Yeah, yeah. The the so you will still you, your car will still take care of all the climate stuff, and you'll still take care of a built-in radio and all that kind of crap. Right. However, if you want to use a map, you can pinch and zoom on any car that right. has the system. And, and you 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 know you'll plug in your phone, and then up on the screen will pop up Android Auto or Google CarPlay or uh, Apple CarPlay. Right. And from there, you're basically just using your phone. Completely via voice control and, and gestures and touchscreen. Um, right. So no no real good excuse for fucking with your phone while you're driving then. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think that potentially that could solve a lot of problems with accidents here because, once again, I was nearly run over by a woman that was texting yesterday and decided she was going to drift across three lanes. Jesus, on the 405 or something? Uh, no, this was just um, just in Culver City on, on a major thoroughfare. So Right. Um it was, uh, yeah, and I can't even tell you that I, I am actually, I suspect that texting drivers might be worse than drunk drivers. I think so, too. Um, because when you're when you're drunk, not that I've done this before, but 
you know, when you're drunk, you do your hardest impression to act like you're sober. Like you're walking down the street and you're just like, I, I'm, I'm walking in a straight line. I'm putting one foot in the other, walking in. You're trying to do the sobriety test in your right. own head. And then, you know, if you were to drive drunk, not that anyone should, you would probably try to drive as sober as possible. You know that, you, you know, you know when that you're in that fucked. situation, you know you're putting yourself at risk. Right. And you're going to try and be on your best behavior if you're not a complete idiot. Unless you're really drunk, then you're an asshole. Yeah. And once again, we're not advocating this at all. We're just stating a fact. Yeah, we'll However, you're texting. When you, you think, oh, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, I'm just going to let my memory lapse or whatever. Lapse. Yeah, or you know, and my favorite thing is, is you know, after somebody does something stupid like that, I love to pull up next to him and just go, "Get off your goddamn phone!" In your Boston accent, uh, get off you, your fucking phone. It kind of actually just naturally happens that way. It's not yeah, even intentional. It just happens. I can see that. And it's always, and people are always just indignant about right. it. Well, I love that Mark Marin bit. He, we were talking about Mark Marin earlier. I love that bit he does about texting. Like, the, how dare these people get across the street in front of my car? Yeah, exactly. It's so in short, don't it's blood talk. sport. It, it's I don't you know. Is first off, just talking on the phone is distracting enough while you're driving. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not because then you don't you're use turn the... signals, and then you're a horrible person. Yeah, to you say are, the least. If you don't use turn signals, you are a horrible. person. Yeah, you're an asshole. Um. But the the texting is even worse. I mean, and it's egregious. I just you can and you can spot the people way way away because they're always swerving or they're driving really really slow, and yeah. you can tell because they're looking down at what appears to be their crotch, but it's really just their phone at the bottom of their steering wheel. Right, because they're trying to hide it out of the view of a cop. Yes, because you know you can't see the car that can't stay within the lines and is driving 15 miles an hour below the speed limit. Right, but see the way I look at. Traffic etiquette these days is like if like how I look at etiquette if you're standing in a line, like if you want to move through a line you say excuse me you say oh you don't stand too close too close to people you don't run through a line or whatever so you know it's like using turn signals and not tailing people and stuff yeah it's it's just like that and if you don't do those things in real life you're a dick and hopefully Stop being a dick. as this new you know as this new tech rolls out over the course of the next couple of years and then it filters out to more and more of the population when they go to buy new cars or they put in aftermarket head units. Itself. It'll be anti-dickish technology. Yeah, well, hopefully. I mean, hopefully it starts cutting down on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, which would also tie back to some of the cool stuff that Jaguar is doing. Did you see their uh, their mock-up for the heads-up display? The transparent hood thing? Yeah, yeah, the HUD. Yeah, because yeah. it was kind of silly when they put it on the Discovery to take it off-road and stuff. But, you know, if it's actually like... You know, it's kind of like the tax, the, the hood-mounted tax they used to put on Firebirds, except tech, except with yeah. technology. Yeah. Uh, and the GTO was, I think, the GTO was the first one to do that. GTO. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it was. But the the Jaguar implementation of it was cool. But I I I thought it was funny that they were presenting this as if this was a new concept. Right. There have been heads-up displays in cars for a long time. Yeah, it's just they did one that had they did a mock-up with one that had nicer graphics and then acted like it was that, that moved further away from you. Yeah, literally, it was I, mounted further away from you. Um, I, I think it's a matter, it's just a matter of time before we see that. But it'll be interesting. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you don't even need gauges except as a backup. Yeah, I I really think that that's that would increase visibility. That's a too. reality in the future is that we probably won't have a regular gauge cluster anymore. What do you What do you think of the news I saw on Twitter that by 2030, 80 percent of the cars on the road would be autonomous? Um, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that either, and I think that and I mean honestly, I think that's being generous. I think we'll see a lot of cars autonomous even by the end of next year, by next year, mid next year. Well, we're already seeing it. I mean, we already have. We already have the adaptive driving and all that stuff that's going on with yeah. with the high end luxury stuff like that's a cruise control lane departure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that Hyundai commercial that's going around now where yeah. they have the cars with nobody driving them and just one lead car. It's just that you know car companies need to be brave enough not to worry about well you know need to be brave enough and get some clever lawyers to do the wording and everything on the contracts and stuff so that people won't sue and just disconnect the. 10-second timer thing on the lane departure warnings. Yeah, let me put it this way. The tech is there now that this can be done, and it is is effectively done on the Mercedes, and and it's just not fully decoupled because so many people would be aghast at, oh, this car's driving itself. I don't trust this. Right. You know, it's... You know, it's it's back to that same phenomenon of, uh, of, you know, I remember... 
late 90s, early 2000s when, you know, people were like, I don't know if it's safe to buy things on the Internet. And it's just like, yeah. well, let me ask you this. And this is where the analogy comes in with, with self-driving cars is, would you rather hand your card to some guy that looks kind of shifty at the counter that could take it, swipe it, grab the number, or would you rather hand that card number to Amazon, which is a, a reasonably, you know, which is a pretty well-received organization that has a lot at stake if they did fuck this up? Honestly, this is a case where I do believe in the computers. Yeah. To I, be better drivers than us who yep. text and scratch our balls and stuff like that. You it know? is. It, this is, And this comes back to... You know, and Leno's fond fond of this in that, you know, he likes to say, you know, the horse and buggy didn't die completely. It became a leisure item. Yeah. You know, and I think the same thing will happen with with the cars that we drive ourselves in that our dailies probably will be fully autonomous vehicles. Hopefully hydrogen or electric, too. Uh, I, electric, I think hydrogen is, is... I did see the... I did actually check out the Toyota FCV today. Toyota is higher on their own supply with this crap, though. Hydrogen will never get market foothold because it needs an infrastructure that doesn't exist already. Whereas we all all have electricity running into our houses. Right. Well, it's just another alternative, really. You know, it there, is. There is California is being very aggressive with the infrastructure right now, and it does kind of exist in some extent where it's just the same distribution method as gasoline, and we already have the gas pumps. We just need, you know, all the gas pump locations, gas station locations and everything already exist. Right, but I, the, in, I just think it's silly that we're even going after hydrogen because electric works so damn well, and the way that, that technology advances on this, I mean, battery capacities, I mean, with Tesla, we're already doing about 300 miles, I think it is, on a top-tier Model S. Well, the Toyota will get 300 miles as well on range. That's what they claim. And... It also is a electric hydrogen car, and I get that. So I get that entirely. But I just going, I'm just saying, why are we bothering with with trying to pull electrons from hydrogen when we can just fill our car with electrons and then run it? Well, it's, I it just it seems like on having the hydrogen, you know, the electron pulling thing in the car versus on a grid. Yeah, it's just to me, it's just a silly, unnecessary extra step. And they've <clears> made such. And and I've been doing a lot of business with the Japanese for the last four or five months, and the thing that I've noticed with, with Japanese companies is that they don't like to back down and admit when they did something wrong. They will just they will continue doing it wrong just because it would be shameful to admit that they were wrong about right, it. Right, that's why World War II dragged on for so long. Even, yeah. <laughs> it's, but I think that's, that's part of what Toyota's getting into here is that they can't just admit that the hydrogen side of things is dead. The entire industry has moved on to electric. And well, I the don't... thing is, though, Toyota doesn't really need to admit they're wrong because they've been ingrained in electric for so long. Although they had, they don't have their own, they don't have their own electric car yet. They just have a no. plug-in high electric. Right. So, I mean, they could make the leap to a full electric car. If they oh, the could, Prius could be a full electric money. car. They put all the money into hydrogen, but they've been doing that since not even not even 2007 when they had the Highlander Hybrid. Yeah. I mean, hydrogen. They've been doing that since the mid 90s. But I, I, I <clears> you know, my conjecture is on this front is that electricity is getting to the point that. I think within our lifetime, we will have renewable energy coming in at such a rate that energy will effectively become almost free. Um, right. And I don't understand the need to try and push this hydrogen agenda when we're making such incredible strides in the fully electric realm. And the other thing is with fully electric, it requires no maintenance other than just grease and brake pads and tires. It's just a much simpler system. And and when you start talking about engineering, generally the simpler solution is the better solution. Yeah, but at the same time, battery technology is still, I guess, 20 minutes for a full Tesla charge. Hydrogen is going to be a stopgap. At, at worst, hydrogen is a stopgap, and at best, hydrogen is the future. But we're mm -hmm. also, But you've also seen the new Tesla char charging system where you roll up, it swaps batteries in 48 now seconds, that's and that's going to be an infrastructure away. that's going to be really expensive to implement. But that is an infrastructure that Mr. Musk is already working on. I'm right. very much convinced that the end game for Tesla is not to produce cars, but to produce the energy stations where you will refill the vehicles. Right. Well, I mean, that was like the Better Place system in Israel, which was brilliant until it went out of business. 
I'm not familiar with that, but Better Place was basically that system with hot swappable batteries and everything in gas station service stations. Ah, okay. And then they would actually, I think they didn't have it as automated as Tesla did, where you just drive onto the thing, you wait three minutes. But they had, you know, basically it was like rent a battery pack, yeah, and then you pick. Swap it out and for. I, like I think that was probably a good idea. It's just ahead of its time. It was a good idea, and, and I, it was going to be implemented on a few uh, Renault. I think it was like the Renault Fluence or whatever electric Renault Laguna electric thing. You, you know, I, at if, the same time they couldn't get it to run, and then the guy went out of business. Yeah, it, <clears> and that won't be an issue with Tesla. We yeah. already know that if they say they're going to do something, it's going to happen, and they're going to do it well. They they've quietly introduced supercharger stations across the country here. Oh, they're everywhere. Right. And they're making inroads into England. They already have, like, yep. a few of those in England. I, I've said this since the very beginning when they started making that announcement. His goal is to be the Exxon of electricity. Right. And I think he's well on his way to doing it. Right. That explains the Model Model 3 or whatever they're calling it now. Right. And I think the next big play that they'll get into is he'll, he'll either make big investments into renewable energy or he'll start a solar company. Well, he already has a solar company. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot all about that. Uh, what the hell's the name of it? I forgot. Solar City? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but anyway. They've been uh, kind of quiet, I guess. Well, then again, you can't really make like a iPod-esque, iPhone-esque announcement every every time you make an announcement. Uh, no, you can't, although they do a pretty damn good job of it. Tesla's very good at that. Uh, yeah. the, you know, he, he draws, draws a lot of comparisons to Tony Stark. But Have you driven a Model S? Uh, no, I've not. I haven't either. You want to just go to the Westfield Century City and just go to the studio and be like, yeah, we're put on our big boy voices and big boy pants and just be like, yeah, we'll test one. Uh, all I have to do is just wave my business card at them. Tech, oh, okay. tech company CEO. And they'll be like, yeah, okay, here, here's a car. All go right. have fun. Well, I, I don't think, they, I don't think they like auto journalists very much. No, that's why we'll just go in and I'll, I'll be your business partner, Chris. Okay. We'll do this. Make sure they don't listen to this podcast. You know, the funny thing is, is one of the uh, VC firms I'm dealing with was actually one of the, they're some of the first people to uh, fund Elon Musk's first venture, PayPal. Nice. Um, yeah, so I've, I've got some interesting stories uh, that I've heard recently about them. Um, I don't think that I'm really, uh, no, about Elon specifically. I don't know that I'm necessarily at liberty to, um, to talk about them all, but he's an interesting character. That much I'll say. I, I've heard things, too. i got a few friends that work at SpaceX that I don't really talk to. Too. Um, so, Tesla aside, back to things that spew out noxious gases. Miatas. Well, I was gonna, well, we get the Miatas, but I was going to hit real quick Chevy SS. Oh, yeah. So, apparently, yeah, there was this rumor that ended up just, you know, when, when you carry a rumor and you want it to be true, you just kind of run with it. And uh, Motor Trend kind of tooted its own horn by saying print is dead, but they were able to get some kind of a response out of that. Yeah, so, it was, you know, Lieberman broke that. And yeah, apparently. He was, he was spot on, and he's been pretty good with those things lately. Um, it's great. I mean, it's, it's going to have magnetic ride control. And a, new colors. I didn't know there was new colors as There's well. There's a whole list of new colors. Oh boy. Yeah. But Chevy's not selling many SSs, so they're just like, well, fuck it. I, I guess their reasoning is that if we're gonna lose money on this car, we might as well build a few manuals for a few people who really it's, want them. It's that car is a love letter to a certain segment of the market. That's really what that car is. Yeah. Basically, us. I really just hope that Hooniverse podcast listeners who happen to have some money or really good credit will actually put their goddamn money where their goddamn mouth is and just be like, yeah. well, I would buy it if it had a manual. Well, it has a manual, so go buy one, all right? Sell your kids, sell your kidneys, shut the hell up, go down to a Chevy dealer and buy one because I'm sick of enthusiasts going, I would buy a manual diesel wagon and then something interesting like... But that's the thing. Is, yeah, is something it, interesting comes along and you don't buy one. I would say a large segment of the enthusiast market... Are, don't have the money to buy new cars oftentimes, right. or are obstinate and won't buy new cars. Right, because, um, right, you know, people like me, you know, I, I like cars. I like used cars because I'm broke, but I'm not really, you know, I would like to buy one if I could. But th those who do should allow me to live vicariously through them and buy one. That's why I, yeah. it's really, I'm really glad to see a lot of E63 wagons running around. Yeah, yeah, that's actually, it's it's a and good I, point. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, 
strange the number of those you see. But I mean, the, the SS is it's a good car, and those the magnetic. I loved it when I drove the it. Ma- when when we had that in for uh, smoke and tire, that was the first. Those were the two biggest requests we had. Is it? It'd be really cool if we could get a manual. And Matt was Matt's got a really bad back, so he was just like, "Oh, it'd be great if I had magnetic ride control because it was the stock suspension was beating him up." Right. Um, yeah. And a lot of people. I I don't tend to like the magnetic rheological shocks as much right. um just because i like simplicity and i look at that and i go that's going to be something that's probably going to break in a right, few years right but does it work oh they work they okay. work beautifully but if i'm buying something performance oriented there's a good chance that i'm going to end up modifying it anyway right. but i acknowledge i'm a very strange part of the market right um, but you know what gm's doing with this that means they're going to kill the ss really soon because Every time they come up with a niche car that everyone that doesn't come with many features, and then by the end of the run, it becomes the best car to get. Like the last year, so like the Chevy SSR had, what did it have when it became out like a Vortec or something like that? And then the last two years of production. Had oh, the, the first LS it motor. came out. It was the the five three originally. Right. Yeah. And then they switched it to an LS two. Exactly. Because the complaint was with the first years that it was too pokey. Right. Um. And then they switch it to an LS2 and you can get it in the manual, yeah. which is kind of rad. And that is like a, like one of those cars you really got to search Craigslist I, for. I don't think you could ever get that car with the manual, the SSR. I thought you could. I, I think, could. think that was only a 4L60E. Huh. Okay. Uh, I'm fairly certain of that, We can probably actually. go to Wikipedia after this. Um, but, you know, the Fiero is obviously the shining example. You want the GT. Although, Hemmings had a great write-up about a 24,000-mile first-year production Fiero Base as everything, five-speed manual. I think it was a five-speed. Steel wheels. Yeah, five speeds. And I think they it was selling for like 4200 bucks or something absurdly low. Yeah. For like the cleanest Fiero on the planet. And I know cleanest Fiero on the planet is saying like, oh, the best STD you can get. But I, no, see, no, the, the Fiero is pretty great. I, I think the Fiero The Fiero was an interesting car that was plagued with the problems of its era and the budget that it was working in. Um. It, oh yeah, it, but it, I also love the audacity that they sold it as a commuter car. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, I, there's there's actually some I've seen some interesting stuff with motor swaps into those cars, and they can be they can be fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so the Chevy SS, you know, it will die because Holden is going away. Unfortunately, as much as I love Holden as a manufacturer, right? They're they're dying. They're and GM is killing them off, right. and. All that chassis development is going to end up coming here to North America. and As um, it has with the Camaro. I think they're going to burn off whatever excess inventory that they have on that SS. That'll be the swan song of Holden. It'll probably be the last car they produce. Yeah. Um, and once that's done, it's done. Jeez, I got a little misty-eyed for our Australian brother in there. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, let's, Ford, let's take, Ford let's take a moment of silence. Yeah. All right, now yeah. we're back, and we both have VB lagers in our hand. Look at that. Yeah, We both yeah. have Victoria Bitters. This is a really good beer. Yeah, actually, yeah. I'm just drinking Arnold Palmer. But uh, <laughs> right. Whoa, I actually did lit- Chris, this yeah. is a bit. It's, it's the theater of the mind. Yes, exactly. Um, so you were enthusiastically bringing up uh, a small Japanese uh, roadster that you love very much. It's true. It's it's finally been announced. Um September 3rd is the unveil of the new Miata, and it will go parlay into that weekend where they're trying to break the Guinness World Record, not just for greatest Miata parade, because they've already broken that with the amount of registrations they've gotten, but they're trying to break greatest amount of Miatas just just happen to show up at one place. The record they're trying to go for is 1,600 Miatas, and they're at, I think, 1,200 now. Okay. And I've been signed up since January, so I'm I don't clearly... know that I ever want to be around that many people that are that much into one so specific. Much, so much lube, Chris. Just <laughs> gallons and gallons of lube. Well, that's not what I was getting lube. to, but I was just saying, I don't know that I want to be around any specific group of automotive enthusiasts that love that one make and model of anything so much. Yeah, but you got to think that you get 1,600 amount of people in one place, and you're going to meet someone you can, like, have a conversation with without wanting to slit your own throat. Yes, and, but, that's, but you'll also then be surrounded by eight guys that, like, will annoy the shit out of you. Yeah, and then one girl who is dating already dating some guy who also has a Miata, so then hands off. Yeah, but honestly, Miata Miata's a pretty good crowd because you get a good mix of like really old guys who like really talk about triumphs and stuff, and they put yeah. they do quest for modifications to their car like spinners and 
like knockoff wheels and like yeah, so that they mesh can grills. Relive and then you get like the young, yeah. you get the young Stance Nation kids who do really questionable modifications to their cars, like shocker stickers and <laughs> excessive camber, excessive camber and like Rota wheels, which I used to have on my car. And then you get the guys in the middle who do questionable modica- modifications to their car, like Corvette engines. And by questionable, yeah. I mean awesome. Uh, yeah, actually... You really get a good cross-section of the uh, population. Somebody just did... I think maybe it was Zach Bowman just did a write-up of an LS3 swap into the latest generation of Miata. Yeah, Atomic Betty. I also drove that car. Uh, so he had some very favorable things to say about that. What was your take? Um, honestly, I drove an NB, which was, you know, mine. Yeah. And that had the LS3 swap with the hot cam, so it was 480 horsepower. Right, but... And then the Atomic Betty one has the regular one, and, you know, it really does... The the extra bulk of the current generation just makes that car so much more fun and easy to live with. Okay, it I was really just going to say, it great. seems like, you know, that's adding a lot of power and torque to a chassis that wasn't intended for it. So on the old ones, it seems like it'd be kind of rickety. It, it's not so much rickety as it is just, you know, the, the hot the hot cam definitely made a difference. It just felt more uncivilized. The, the G-Track... Wait, no, it's a Tremec. Sorry, the Tremec yeah, gearbox Tremec. was... I couldn't get it past fourth, and I, it was tough to get it into fourth. And the shift pattern was at kind of at an angle for some reason. And um, the, the Atomic Betty was just so much easier to live with. And, you know, there's more room as well in the yeah. in the car, so it runs cooler. And, um, you know, you can put wider wheels on it, too. But it seems like it, the difference to me would be it's mostly in car. the chassis. It's a perfect car. Yeah, it um, probably is. It's chassis, too, because, you know, how solid the new car is. However, if you wanted a car... In that segment that could make really good power, you might as well just buy a Sky Red, a Sky uh, Red Line or a uh, or a uh, Saturn Saturn uh, the Saturn, Saturn Sky, Sky Red Line or, or the Solstice GXP. Yeah, and that is one of my actually one of my attainable dream cars is a Solstice GXP with the is is it a seven zero K or seven O K. Club, pa- Club Sport package. It's a Club Sport package. I don't know. Solstice GXP coupe and. Jim Wingers has one. Fun well, those uh, well the thing is, is those cars have the the EcoTech, and that EcoTech is a very two sixty horsepower. It's great. Well, in stock form, it's only that, but that thing is that motor can be easily turned up to about four hundred. Oh yeah, totally. And then you can also get a Targa roof. It's got the Targa roof. Yeah, or if you were very very lucky, and like Derek uh, had the coupe version of that. That's what I meant. The coupe one had the center removable part. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was, the coupe of that is exceedingly rare. They only made, I think, like 40 or 50 of them. No, they um, made more than that. They just didn't make many GXPs. That's what I mean. Okay. It's a GXP coupe. Right. Uh, the regular coupe, yeah, you can see those every now and then, but the GXP coupes are very, very rare. Yeah. Um, that, that is the definition of a collector car right there. Oh, yeah. Um, so the Miata, uh, so September is the new, the unveil. Yeah. And they did a teaser video to announce that the September date and a lot, even Jalopnik rang with the fact that it said, Oh, the next one's going to be turbocharged. Definitely. Here's the thing. I was talking to my friend, uh, Jeremy, who works, who is a student at art center college of design. Mm-hmm. He, he has a, one of the greatest Miatas on the planet. It's a fastback, a fender flares and everything. Uh, turbocharged, uh, built to hell. It looks gorgeous, and it's a very, very rare parts in that thing too. His car is turbocharged. They put that. They put the camera on his car and filmed his car. So it's his car you're hearing. Okay. And it's an NB. It's an NB one with a turbo on it. So it really threw off a lot of people. Interesting. Kinda yeah, those great. are those are really good looking cars with the wide body and the fastback version on them. Yeah. Those are, I mean, not that the Miata is a bad-looking car. It's just soft for my taste. Yeah, no, that's I, true. I like a little more aggression aggression in the car. Um, yeah. The Miata is a fantastic car. I just am not a big fan of the way that it looks in stock form. It's just that's, that's fair enough because, you know, I'm helping my friend buy one, and he, he's looking at a 2010 or a 2006. 2006 looks way better with the round air intake, but the 2010, it just became obnoxiously happy. You kind of want to yeah it yeah I I hate that refresh and I think the Mazda three was the worst uh, offender of that it's really stupid yeah. it was it, it, the Mazda three went from a very handsome car to being ridiculous it's the it's the Audi ex Audi designer Franz Holmes Connor I believe with the Nagari design language which worked well on the concept cars and like the Fiori rest in peace yeah had that look as well and then Derek Jenkins. 
is in charge of it now. So he's a great guy too. Yeah. Well, I, I like the new the new design language of Mazda, and hopefully they take a little of that aggression and some of the sharp edges and bring that into the Miata, because I think doing that would open the Miata up to a very new market because that soft, friendly thing really doesn't buy buy, buy any market share in that segment. No. Uh, even even the kind of traditional market of that the Miata was aimed at, you know, the 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 young female professionals or, well, you know. Well, the Miata never was aimed at those people. They just happened to like it because, you know, it looked cute. You design a small roadster, it's going to yeah. look cute. And it was really just kind of a car for the people, you know. It was mostly aimed at, like, like I think late 30s, early 40s-something guys who grew up on Triumphs and everything. And, you know, yeah. in 89, they actually could remember Triumphs. So it was always aimed at those guys, and it just kind of got adopted by everyone. You know the funny thing is, is it always had this, you know, it always had the association of being the car owned by the gay gentleman. And yeah. the funny thing is, is out of all of my gay friends that I know up in SF, not a single one of them has owned, a Honda, has owned one of those. Yeah. They, they've owned... The only Jeep one that's... Wranglers, Volkswagen Eoses. Uh, no, no, no. I, the, the stereotype? Jetta. Jetta yeah, the Jetta sticks. They, they tend to have the same car taste as sorority girls. Uh, yeah, but you know what? The funny thing is is that the Jetta is just a very common car that people have in their 20s because it's cheap and decent. And it looks good. Yeah, it's not a bad car. It's not. It's a bit fancier than a Civic. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's a little. It's a. It's a little nicer than a. Or well, it was a little nicer than a Civic. It's not yeah. necessarily the case now. But the the annual gay wheels rankings is always like Toyota Yaris and then like a Honda Civic. Yeah, gay that, people just want just like, small cars, man. Yeah, and what what have we learned right there is that gay people buy the same shit we do. Yeah, <laughs> it's no different. So why can't um, they get married, Chris? What's that? Why can't they get married, Chris? I, Political! I, I don't know. Huna politics right here. I don't know. Who cares? Anyway, Miatas are great. Yeah. Um, and yeah. my, my Miata's pretty great, and I finally got it towed to the uh, to the shop where the engine already is at. Because last time I updated it, was the engine was already there, and we just hauled it in the back of Corbin's F1, dad's F-150. But now, yeah. I call it AAA, and I was a bit nervous because I didn't think they were going to tow project cars, but... Uh, this dude came over with a flatbed. His name's Willie. He's just this badass, grizzled old guy. And he's like, and I was like, I was trying to be coy because I didn't want to be like, oh yeah, there's no engine. And I was like, well, it doesn't run. He's like, well, no shit, doesn't run. And he's like, you ever see that? Oh, you got a Miata, huh? You ever see that Family Guy episode? Jesus. And I was like, and well, the guy this was is quite the now. accent that you're working in here, by the way, Blake. He, he did. He did sound like you know a crusty old Harley riding kind of dude, and uh, he was cool as shit. Like that guy was well, awesome. Funny thing, you he was look, like, I, you can look at a car for two seconds and go, yeah, there's no motor in it. Yeah. Why? You look at the gap between the fender and the front wheel. That's how. Yeah. It's, well, it's very simple. This dude was telling me how he'd take his flatbed on a snake sometimes because he'd have to – no, like just going up Stunk Road because he has to rescue people there. But at yeah. the same time, I think he just likes to drive his flatbed up Stunk Road because he's a badass. And yeah. I really want to – hopefully we'll do you a 20 You know what, though? Run. You drive your flatbed up the Stunk Road, and there's a pretty good chance any given day of the week you're going to find a car that needs help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he's just there all the time. It's, and yeah. uh, I technically my free membership covers five miles. I got towed seven, and he kind of counted it anyway, so – you know, I didn't want to call AAA and be like, oh, yeah, my car doesn't run because it doesn't have a motor in it. But turns out... Does it doesn't matter, though? Does who cares? Really it's matter? part of my membership. And I really got to upgrade my membership to, like, a I, I don't know miles. that there's a stipulation in the AAA that says you can't use it if, you know... Because technically, I do need roadside assistance. You do need roadside assistance. I do need roadside assistance. It just happens that roadside meant a driveway. Well, and... it, was, it was on the... It was parked on the side of the road. Yeah. So, technically, that's true. So, what's the status with the motor and everything now? Um, well... The shop I've taken it to, they are working at on four FD RX-7s at any given time. So you can tell they're constantly busy. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to clear out two RX-7s and a Miata, so I think I should be able to get an update by the end of the week. Cool. Um, I told them I'd like to get the car ready by Pebble Beach, which is August 11th. Yeah. So, you know, three weeks is awfully generous, I think. Uh, yeah, considering that you could probably really tear that motor down and rebuild it in the course of a day. Yeah, yeah. and he said it'd be it'd be about four hours to put the motor back in, connecting everything back up. You know, it's really easy with a lift. So you guys yanked the motor. Right. To save a little bit of cash. Took us eight hours. Four hours one day and then really? four hours the next day. Well, we, we got the motor basically disconnected after four hours the first day. The other four hours was just like... 
getting rid of extra shit by the transmission and just making sure it cleared so we could pull the engine and transmission out. Okay. You know how it works. Yeah, I yeah. know how it works. I was just yeah. surprised. You know, Corbin. Corbin's an experienced wrench, and I was. Uh, yeah, he pulled three be... motors the the week before, I think. So. Yeah. Um. All right. So uh, let's see. Old Miata, new Miata. We covered that. Uh, we should probably. Give a little congratulations out to Wyatt Knox and Raphael Orlov on winning the rally in New York. Now, what rally was this? Uh, I'm really not sure. It was just a regional thing. Um, but uh, Wyatt was driving, of course, and Raphael was a uh, co-driver. And, uh, yeah. Was this like a, like a rally through the woods or like yeah, a yeah. time rally? Real, real rally through the woods. Great. Uh, you know, uh, northern New York. Um, I, I refuse to use the word upstate because that gets overly used. Well, basically everybody anything. says up anything that's not Manhattan. Everybody anything upstate. north of 125th Street is yeah. upstate. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I went to school in upstate New York, yeah. central New York, technically. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's yeah. silly. But I mean, um, where, wait, where was the rally then? Uh, I'm not sure exactly, but I know it was in it was in northern New York, yeah. and uh, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, congratulations it, to do. Congratulations I mean, to Ref and uh, Wyatt, that, who and, and Wyatt's a great guy too. I've never met Wyatt, but I really think he should be on a podcast. Uh, we, I'm sure we'll, ha- we had him on TST. I'm sure we can get him on. Hey, Hunter Wyatt, if you're listening, here. Bill um, says you're a cool dude. If, uh, oh yeah, yeah. He's a good buddy with Caswell. Them and, yeah. uh, Petro won some stuff too. Bill Petro. Nice. Um, those are, yeah, it's funny. New Hampshire, you know, and I spent quite a bit of time there. Um, New Hampshire is basically our Finland now. All the yeah, rallying. it's full of rednecks. Uh, Beer is it cheap. depends on where you are. No, that's full of rednecks. Depends on where you are. Southern New Hampshire is not rednecky. Eh, it can be. Southern New Hampshire is just people that are angry at people across the border in Massachusetts. Right, because you come up there and buy TVs and stuff. Well, you go up there and buy the liquor without and without taxes. fireworks. Lots of fireworks. Yes. You know, I was wondering about that because in California, obviously, fireworks are illegal, most mostly. Yeah. And where do people go to buy fireworks? I guess they got to drive to Nevada. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a haul. Um, so that or go to Arizona, which Arizona, is Arizona. Yeah. Shit. Um, I mean, that really, it's yeah. like 45 minutes for us, New Hampshire. Then we go there, buy some liquor, and then maybe stop at yeah, Dave's yeah. in Salem, New Hampshire on the way back. Well, you know, and that's the thing that I explain to people. People, you know, it's like Sorry, to Nashua. go from, to go from Boston to Nashua is like a 35 minute drive. It's yeah. like driving from Los Angeles to Anaheim. It's a suburb of Boston, yeah. basically. Yeah. Driving from Boston to Worcester is 40 minutes at the fastest an hour at most, which is like, you know, yeah. how much time it takes from you to go from Santa Monica to, like, East L.A. or yeah. something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's geographically, it's not a very large, re- large region. Yeah. So, I mean, you can go hop from state to state pretty quickly. Plus, the thing is, though, if, if you have to go 60 miles, it will take you an hour because there's not much traffic. Yeah. Um. So, let's what's see, is like? there anything else that uh, we need to touch upon for today? or uh, what's, what's your progress with, like, on your cars? Um, well, let's see. I've been I've actually had the vet out quite a bit lately. Uh, I mean, I only drive it basically to the canyons and back. Right. Uh, but that's been getting some use out there. Haven't really done anything on it. It hasn't needed it. I mean, the thing, you basically just change the oil and put gas in it, and the vet runs nice. really, really well what's every single like? time. Uh, you know, it's it's... They just don't break for the most part. Um, let's be see. Nice. Uh, the element, the element needs a new horn because that really? just unceremoniously died. You should install one of those like big air horns, the ones that don't require a compressor, but they're still loud as hell. Yeah, I'm kind of considering you it. Do that. <laughs> just for the why just for the amusement factor why, of like. Or better yet, just install like a La Cucaracha horn because every time I hear one in LA, my day just no matter what happens, I hear a La Cucaracha horn. My day is awesome. Yeah, I, I yeah. can see that. I just it's not really my style. But I, I would, can appreciate I would, that. I'd love to install one on my Miata. I, I just, great. I would love like a big barge horn. I'm just, wah. Wah. yeah, yeah. Uh, which would be great because I, I live by the ocean here, so it would be like, yeah, where's, right. where's, fog what the horn? Hell? Yeah, yeah, fog horn. I just, mean, if you, if you had like extra room, like in the element somewhere, you can install a compressor and just do the train horn. Oh, there's extra room everywhere in the element. Oh, great. It's the TARDIS of vehicles. Ha. <laughs> Um, well, there you go. Put an air compressor in. Yeah. And then uh, I drive my scooter everywhere now. How's your scooter doing? It's fine, man. I mean, Shitload of miles on it now. It's uh, 3,700 miles on it. I bought it with almost no mileage on it. So, And then I will sell it for probably more than I bought it. I should get a scooter. It's uh, Well, you have a motorcycle, though. Yeah, I do. But at the same time, if I, like, I'm afraid to nick the motorcycle and everything. You know, after yeah. the incident, I'm not really, you know, kind of... I kind of want something to beat up on. 
Yeah, I, well, that's the one that, you know, and I've said this before, and luxury is not opulence. It is the reliability. freedom to not give a shit. Yeah, it's... Which means it could be reliability, but it could also mean just, like, a vehicle is just like, that scooter? Yeah, it would suck if it got stolen or run into or something, yeah. but it's $2,000. I could walk away from it and go, eh, fuck it. If you, if you drop it, who cares? It's, it, you know... That thing has been it, – it's at my house now, and it lives in the garage, and it's beach here, so it still gets, you know, cold moisture and, and all that right. stuff from the ocean. But the previous owner, he lived by the beach too, so even without dropping it, like, the tiniest things are, like, slightly rusty anyway, so who cares? Yeah. Um, I really get a kick, though, out of taking that up to the mountain roads here and just, like – Leaning it hard sideways like I'm on a sports bike. Scooters are so much fun to lean. It's great. <laughs> it's really it's really amusing because you I scrape a peg on a scooter. It's like you've won the, won the jackpot. It's like a bell that rings. Well, there aren't pegs on it, but yeah, well, size I mean, at least. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you can lean that thing pretty far. The only thing is you get a little sidewall squirm on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's amusing when you're like on a scooter and like I love whipping past people on a scooter and I'm like, you can't drive if I'm beating you on a scooter. <laughs> Um, it's and the other great thing is is because it's a scooter and everybody assumes that it's like harmless and nobody pays any attention to it and yeah. I'm guessing people just assume I'm broke, uh, <laughs> or we have a DUI, <laughs> or yeah, or I, I've done something <laughs> dumb. Uh, actually, no, you still wouldn't be able to drive it if you had a DUI charge. Oh, um, well, maybe maybe your your car just got like repossessed or something. But either way. I can go. I can go flat on that with the throttle net everywhere. I drive that thing sixty miles an hour everywhere I have road That's to drive. So it's much 60 fun. That's miles why I loved the Mitsubishi Mirage, because it sucked at everything except you could just throw it around. I drove it up a canyon road. I just kept my foot flat on the gas pedal the entire time, just going, just like throw my hands around on the steering wheel, and the thing just kept on rolling, and it was awesome. Yeah, it's, it's so stupid. It's, it's kind of fun sometimes driving things that are well below your 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 skill level right. because it's you can just ex- if you don't well you can exploit the shit out of them yeah. and wring every last you ounce feel like out a of hero them. yeah you know it's uh you know and that's part of not that the like vsda st is like beyond my skill level but right. it's well matched to where my driving skill is and that right. you can do things in that car and not get particularly nervous one it's not super expensive two there's not a lot of power so you're not going to get in too much trouble right it's like my car yeah, yeah. I mean, the Miata exactly. is a great example of that, too. Yeah. But, um, um, you know, I also drove... Um, I, I spent an, a day driving ATVs a few months ago, and ATVs are, I've probably said it before in this podcast, the most fun vehicle I've ever commandeered, ever. Yeah, they're fun. You know, so great. It would, I would love to have one of the... Um, so, Zero Motorcycles does a... Uh, they do an all-electric dirt bike. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. it's great because motorcycles require a fair amount of maintenance, Mm-hmm. And dirt bikes are a lot of fun. Well, you can also sneak around in nature silently, and you can be one with yeah. nature. Yeah, there was a stuff. bunch of uh, zero street bikes up on the snake on Sunday, right. and all you'd hear was just whizzing as they whipped by at like 100. It's really like riding your first bicycle again. It's great. Yeah. And back to ATVs, I rode a Polaris 1100, which is like a you know a beast. That's a, yeah. I was – Oh, so I, that's I, a side-by-side. That's not just an ATV. That's not like a four-wheeler. That's a full side-by-side. No, it wasn't a side-by-side where it was like a car steering wheel and everything. It was an ATV. Yeah? It was just a huge With ATV. With an 1100cc motor? Yeah, it was massive. Yeah, Maybe it was a... 1095 or something like that, but it was definitely humongous and – um, I wasn't too intimidated, but I thought I'd be terrified of it, but it was it was pretty fun. And then I drove – they have a new Polaris Ranger, which is like a one-person steering wheel with a cage and everything, yeah. 300 cc's. And that was – you could throw that around. You could just flat-foot it all the way up a hill. It's like an – it's throw like – Throw it in a corner and just like rrr, power it out of a corner and everything. Uh, it's, it's basically a, a, an off-road go-kart. It was – exactly. And it was awesome. Yeah. Well – on that note, I think it's probably about time we wrap this yeah, up. We've been going for a while. I was going to mention I went go-karting last weekend at Miramar Speed Circuit, which is one of the last gas cart places in uh, California, or at least SoCal. And um, it's in San Diego, and I usually go there. I usually try to wrangle a bunch of auto journalists there. I usually try to wrangle a bunch of auto journalists and everything when I'm 
I get invited on a press launch in San Diego, and it happens a lot. Last time, I raced Matt Farah and our friend Derek Kreinler and everything, yeah. which was great. This time, I went with a bunch of people, and we got stuck behind these really, really – these people literally had never been in a cart before. So they were just going this fast – you can't see theater to mind and all that – this fast on a straightaway. And I ended up punting one into a wall. But the people there don't give a shit. It's not K1 where they will just bump you. They will limit you if you even so much as look at another cart. Yeah. Yeah. But the track there is kind of – I mean the track is kind of – the pavement's kind of shitty. And the cart will give you will give you a sore throat from all the fumes and everything. And people there just don't give a shit. It's very cool. And uh, yeah. yeah. Be more speed spark. It's great. Although I will say if you do K1 and you're with a big group of people that clearly like – when we went for my 30th birthday, there was like 10 of us that went, and basically we had run of the place by ourselves. Nice. And they clearly looked at us, they're like, yeah, these guys, they showed up with their own helmets. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they're good. They let us kind of have the run of things, because they got out there and they saw us driving, and it was just like, uh, yeah, and they didn't they didn't cut our power anywhere. Nice. It was amusing. There was a lot of aggressive driving. You got to make that reservation like weeks in advance. Well, we didn't even make a reservation. We just showed up, but there was enough of us, and it was kind of a slow day that they just let us do whatever the really? hell we wanted. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, on that note, I think I that know. wraps up Hooniverse sixty eight. Chris, where can they find you and all that? Uh, you can find me at Hayes Data, and if you'd like to get a podcast up and running or just want to find new podcasts, go to shoutengine.com. And get your own damn podcast. Uh, Everyday Driver just launched a new show, uh, good friends of ours. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Middle East Motoring, too. So it's a little bit of a different take, but Middle East Motoring is a Middle Eastern magazine on cars, and they've what language launched their own podcast. In? What's that? What language did you record in? I'm sorry. What language did it record in? Uh, I think it's English. Okay. I'm fairly sure it's cool. English, actually. Nice. So, uh, and what about you, Blake? Where can uh, people find uh, you? Still at autoweek.com. Still redesigned, freshly redesigned. Everything looks great. It looks great. good, by the way. It does look good. Thanks. Yeah, we have a mobile site now and everything. We have an iPad app, and we have one for uh, 50 years of Porsche as well. Or 60 years of Porsche, I'd say. No, it's 50, sorry. Oh, kind of like the Maserati thing you guys put out? or Yeah, exactly. And Porsche is promoting it as well and everything. The, the I have not got, I, I have a subscription to AutoWeek. I got 900 years for 35 cents. Um, I have not gotten the Porsche thing yet, though. Um, it's a free app. Oh, it's an app. It's yeah. not a public... Okay. Yeah, no, it's a free app. We I thought our, it was we a... We did our issue a few months ago about that. And... Um, I am going to Willow Springs tomorrow to drive silent FRSs. I get to compare model year 14s and 15s, and then some of the new stuff they'll have. And I'll Is get a... there any real difference between a 14 and a 15? Let's, we'll find out tomorrow. Stay tuned. All right.